0: There are many different paths you can take. But there's only one road to Atlanta. A high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flare out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzie Albie. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for it inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves Farm System and Braves Prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on BatteryPower.com, formerly TalkingChop.com, where I've been the deputy site manager for the last uh, three, four seasons, something like that. And I've been running the minor league side of things since 2015. Joining me as often is my co-host, Garrett Spain. You may rec- you can follow him over on Twitter at BravesMILB. Garrett, how are you, my man?
0: I am good. I keep, I keep double clicking the mic and muting and unmuting very quickly. But, uh, I, uh, I don't know about you, but I think after kind of the weird off season, the uncertain off season and, you know, kind of seeing the team win a world series, I feel very, a little bit of renewed invigoration for the, uh, for baseball right now. Like it's kind of, I'm as excited as I've ever been to start a season. Like I'm just, you know, you know, like I am excited to, you know, wake up every day, you know, we get an opportunity to cover, you know, the world series champions and cover all these guys. And it's been like, I don't remember having this uh, much enthusiasm in quite a while.
1: Well, it's nice too, in the sense that for us on the minor league side, there is going to be a lot of turnover. Uh And I know that sounds awful to say, right. I know that like, you know, we're supposed to be super excited about, you know, the guys like Shea Langleyers, Christian Pache, you know, just got like names that we've been covering for a long time. But when we have a shakeup like we're seeing this season, for me, it's like, you know, like, well, mean there's a lot more like kind of time and, you know, just overall attention we can give to other guys and, you know, quote unquote down ballot guys. When we're looking at things in the minor leagues, you know, you don't have to constantly be keeping tabs on what, what's going on with, you know, Christian Pache or. Shea Langeliers, because those are the big names, you know, those were, you know, the top two prospects in the system and a lot of, or at least among them. And now that, you know, they were traded away from Matt Olson, we can kind of, you know, start like trying to figure out what the system's ultimately, how it's going to shake out, uh how, how hierarchy is going to happen. And like, when that turnover happens, you know, for us on the one hand, uh, this happened back in, you know, 2018 where a bunch of guys graduated or we're in the process of graduating and we kind of got to re, like, kind of rediscover the minor leagues in a lot of ways. And this does have that kind of feel too. I'm with you too on the lockout. Just kind of, it, we, you take for granted that baseball is actually going to happen until there's a chance that it won't happen. And there was a chance that, you know, we're going to lose, you know, Major league games, which would have been a real bummer. The minor leagues weren't going to be affected except for the guys who were on the 40 man roster, which would have made, you know, covering triple AAA pretty much a nightmare. And it, it was, a, there was a lot of uncertainty as to how we were going to handle content. It was going to be a lot of uncertainty as to how to kind of, you know, treat baseball in 2022. But fortunately, all that got sorted out. And we're now well into spring training. We have, you know, the opening days right around the corner now for both the major and minor leagues. So, Garrett, I'm going to kind of throw it to you here. Kind of talk to a little bit about what's been going on in spring training in terms of information that's known. You know, guys who are were in major league camp and maybe aren't anymore. Guys who are still there and performing well, or maybe not so well. Just kind of give us kind of a a bit of a cliff notes version of kind of what's been going on.
0: Well, we'll start with Michael Harris, as we did last week, who played really. I mean, he looked really good this whole spring. I had a rough last game kind of thing, but, you know, there was never really any chance that he was going to make the roster. He got sent down yesterday um, after the game. And, you know, he had a – or two days ago, one of the two. Um, and, you know, it was kind of a – uh it was a good spring for him. You know, I think that he kind of showed – you know, he kind of showed the Braves where his progress was. And, you know, he's probably not a huge factor in their thoughts this year at any point, if he is a factor, then he did something ridiculous at the minor leagues that none of us were expecting, but he definitely put himself more on the map in terms of going into camp next year, showed some of the flaws, you know, we got an opportunity to kind of get a feel for, you know, there were a lot of things that I got a feel for in terms of where he was in terms of some of his flaws, in terms of how he handled certain pitches. But overall, I mean, he looked really good this camp and I think everybody came away blown away with what he did overall um on the opposite side of guys that struggled uh indigo diaz had a rough outing the other day he had a rough that's,
1: yep that's that's, that's, a, that's a, kind, a kind a kind description of what happened he had a rough league
0: yeah. and he's kind of on been on a run which you know i mean obviously fall league was you know six months ago but he's been kind of on a uh rough run of it after having a ridiculous season and so uh hopefully uh this is not a sign of things to come you know Again, it's one outing in spring, like, you know, and he's getting caught by you know, I don't even know who the catcher was. Like, oh, it's Chadwick Trump. Hey,
1: yeah, i was I saying don't don't
0: don't it don't Chadwick w- Trump. Chad I w- w- try to, w- to remember who it was. Like it's like the fifth best catcher in the system is catching, you know, he's playing, you know, at the it's you know, it's one of those things. Like it's just and that is a thing too. Like, you know, a lot of these lower Minor League guys are working with catchers that they've never worked with before, and that can be Sometimes an adjustment for them. Uh It was a rough game for him. The biggest thing, though, is, is all of every single one of the guys that are competing for rotation spots, Waskar uh, Noah, Kyle Wright, um, Kyle Muller, Spencer Strider, Tucker Davidson, they've all looked really, really good. Uh Tucker Davidson's last start, he threw three perfect innings, struck out four guys. Um, his slider looked really, really good. Uh, Spencer Strider pitched today, had a couple walks, you know, there were some questionable calls. His changeup looked inconsistent, which we kind of expected. It's one of those things that he's still getting a feel for, but he, we saw flashes of like, that's a legitimate third pitch, and. Yeah, there were some
1: good ones, yeah.
0: There were some good ones in there, uh, Kyle Muller. You know, again, inconsistent with the command. Uh, he's been working on the changeup quite a bit this spring. We saw maybe 10 to 15 of them the last time he went out. Maybe not 15, about 10 of them the last time he went out, which is more than he ever throws in a game. So it's very clear that they're kind of focusing on that I for them. It kind of looks like, you know, what we've heard is that they're going to go to six, a uh, six man rotation. You know, and right are pretty much in at four and five. And it seems like the competition is kind of sit for six. And it seems like it's between those three. But it kind of seems like Tucker Davidson is the guy that's going to get it. Um, just based on major league experience and all of those things. And I'm fine with that. I mean, I think that's a decent three to start out with and see how it goes. But I'm, I I think, you know, for Strider, it's looking at what he's doing against major league hitters. It's kind of pretty clear that he is going to impact the major league team this year at some, in some way. Um, whether that's as a late-season call-up in the bullpen or whatever it is, it seems like he's going to impact the team. I just don't think that he's going to make it out of camp, um, which is, again, fine. I think that he needs to work on that change-up, and I would much rather him work on that change-up at AAA, where if he has a bad game with it, it doesn't matter, versus, you know, in the middle of a pennant race, he's out there, you know, throwing change-ups down the middle. Probably not ideal, but I'm fine with that for him. It's nice to see that he's working really well against uh major league guys he's not he doesn't seem to be particularly rusty his command you know kind of came and went today but overall that's kind of been the case for him overall some days is good some days is bad but he looked really really good stuff wise uh he was up to 101 the other day uh we didn't have um unfortunately did not have uh, game day or anything like that today so we don't know what he was throwing today but we know it was going fairly hard overall I mean yeah someone
1: said he hit 100 but I'm not in like the second inning but I'm not but you know we don't have that
0: the stadium gun and the broadcast gun were both completely different and we didn't have game day or savant so we're not really sure what's going on there but uh he looked really good Muller uh looked really looked good um overall but Davidson was the one that definitely came out and impressed I mean he went out and dominated in that game and kind of I think that was kind of The way he's looked at it in the spring, I think he kind of has separated himself as a guy that you feel fairly confident is going to get that third – you know, the third of the six spots.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting situation with the Braves, particularly with their pitching staff, because with expanded rosters, I could see a world where more of these guys make the team out of camp. If they're already on the 40-man roster, I just want to go ahead and put that out there. If they're not on the 40-man roster – Just forget about it. But it wouldn't be, like, a crazy idea to me, especially if the Braves feel like there's some guys that either they don't have confidence in, like, wanting to go out there for five, maybe six innings. Maybe you have them go out for three and then have, you know, someone attached to them as like that they come in and kind of relieve them. And whether that would be Mueller or Strider or, you know, something like that, I could see that situation happening. It wouldn't be shocking to me if the Braves kind of carried a guy like that as opposed to you know, grabbing kind of just like the regular non-roster invitee reliever types, right? Uh This is particularly relevant because Luke Jackson uh, has dealing with an elbow issue. It doesn't sound too serious. and It sounds like if you were to miss time in the regular season, they'd be back sometime in April. But this early part of the season is when they're going to need more arms than usual. And at that point, maybe you start thinking that some of these, you know, these starting pitching prospects that are on the opening day roster, maybe you can – get them some innings in the bullpen and kind of do some quote-unquote bullpen games where, you know, one guy he throws three innings and then another guy throws three and then you just leave it to the rest of what is a really stacked Braves bullpen to kind of close it out from there. I don't have a great read as to kind of what the Braves want to do, though, because it seems like they're keeping Spencer in camp for a long time, but I also think they're pretty hell-bent on having him start. And if they want to really get him stretched out and seeing how well he does, you know, going five or six innings, throwing more than, you know, 30 or 40 pitches, getting into that 70-pitch to 85-pitch range to kind of start the season, maybe Triple A is the best bet. It seems like there's going to be plenty of opportunities given the number of guys that are going to be carried on the Braves roster uh, in their rotation or the bullpen. We also saw Jacob Webb, you know, sent down to AAA camp because he has an option for reasons I <laughs> – and we're going to talk about this. Uh, spoilers for everybody. Uh one thing we're gonna be talking about in the second half of this podcast is we're gonna be kinda revisiting and this is the last revisiting we're gonna be doing as we lead up to the actual minor league season. We're looking at our mid season twenty seventeen list, uh which uh features uh Sean Newcomb prominently, but I'm not I I get why they decide to keep Newcomb because he's out of options and they can't do that and as a result, you know, if they try to get rid of him then they may be just getting rid of him for good right out of camp and they don't they may not want to do that, whereas Jacob Webb had the option, but when, you, when you're basically forced to sort of carry a guy like Newcomb, I think that maybe they need to have some like more high upside options uh, and guys who can maybe take some longer innings so that they can avoid using a guy like a Sean Newcomb in rough situations. So it'll be interesting uh, the the how the Braves handled these last few rotation spots and specifically whether or not they choose to like say, hey, you know what, this guy has – the reigns, if he can go six innings, then we're going to let him go six, or they might say, you know, we'll let you go one time through the one the lineup and then we'll send him send this specifically assigned guy to do it again. And then once they do that, once they do that, then they can get into the actual, you know, the night shift part of the bullpen where the guys who their mission is to close the game out. I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't keep Patter Harris in camp a little bit longer, but at the same time, I, I, I do understand that they kind of want to get him back. You know, working with his team, working with the guys he's going to be playing with down there in minor league camp, getting him the instruction that he needs on a, on a more specific basis. In the major leagues, you know, it's just, you know, go do your job. And, you know, when you bring a guy like Michael Harrison to camp that you want him to just kind of learn from the other guys around him, whereas maybe they felt like that they, he could benefit some more, you know, specific instruction that was kind of away from the cameras and all that stuff. So I, I get it. But at the same time, you know, he, he was drawing a bunch of walks, stealing bases. The only thing he really didn't show in spring was power, and we know that he has a ton of raw power in his bat. It's just how much it's going to play in games is going to be an open question. It's one of the things that we're going to be watching most closely as we kind of get into the season here. But it's been a lot of fun. You know, Spencer, he continues to be this prospect case that astounds me as a guy that was picked in the fourth round of a five-round draft that we just did not have high expectations for. At all. Uh, we, the people, we, like, Matt had heard his name, but he was not a guy that we were necessarily expected to even be drafted. He wasn't on any lists. And he just, we started hearing some whispers that, hey, this guy has a really live arm. And you say, okay, well, we'll keep an eye on him. And then those first couple starts down there in Augusta, uh, blew our hair back, and we immediately, you know, started really digging in on him. And as it turns out, that's a really, really special arm. And you're right. I think that's an impact arm that the Braves are going to have in either in the rotation or in the bullpen, depending on how things go at Gwinnett, what the the major league teams' needs are. Uh, I do think that the Braves want him to start, but I also think that if there are issues in the bullpen and they need a really kind of high octane arm, I don't think Spencer's going to turn down another opportunity to pitch in the major leagues, and I don't think that the Braves are going to, you know, completely, you know, say, hey, we, you are never going to be a reliever for us. We only want you to start. Uh, just because the stuff is so good in that role when you, when you 're throwing one hundred miles an hour uh, with the slider that he was throwing today he doesn 't have to have the change up yet to be good as a reliever but overall it's it 's been fun man like it 's just you know again it 's been a weird spring for what we like to do in in terms of covering the spring because they 've been You know, optioning guys down so quick, you know, like Freddie Tarnock made one appearance and then he was down. You know, even Alan Ron Howell was, it was a very, you know, quick appearance. He was gone. He, he got sent down a week ago. All, all, all these guys that we like to see getting in like multiple games, a lot of action, uh, in these spring games because spring training has been condensed so much. Uh, they're just kind of, they're getting quick cameo appearances in a lot of cases and then being sent back down, particularly if they're not on the 40 man roster. Now they're keeping some guys around to, you know, <laughs> Make no mistake, all the major league regulars in that lineup—they're getting three at bats, and then their their games are done. And then they're kind of bringing in some guys just to kind of you know weather the storm a little bit. One note that I did want to mention—he's not exactly in our purview anymore because he's uh, he has graduated from quote unquote prospect status. But uh, William Contreras—one uh, hit a home run today, was what that was nice to see. He was playing catcher, although it was really interesting to hear. Mike uh, Brian Snitker saying things along the lines of that you know he's going to be playing some of the outfield in Triple A and you know potentially could be playing some other positions as well. I didn't know if positional you know versatile inter, you know position player William Contreras was on my bingo card, but you know it's something that's out there right now. They seem to like his bat. It is a curious thing to say though, and again it might just be something that Snit just said kind of off the cuff, not necessarily indicating any sort of long term plans. But without Shea Langeliers at Triple A, Contreras is gonna have all the you know, reps that he could ever want at catcher. You know, it's not like Chadwick Trump's gonna block a guy like that unless they really feel like they wanna move him off of catcher and get him into another position. My guess is that there'll just be situations where he won't be catching all the time down there in Gwinnett, and that they but they still might want to keep getting him at bats, and so they'll put him at right or put him in left just to kind of see what happens. You know, just let him play in the outfield a little bit, get some experience out there, in case they need a back another backup outfielder, and they want that high a decent bat to come in in a pinch, and they want him to have some you know some game experience doing that. But it definitely did catch my eye that you know William Contreras outfielder. Uh, was something that was going to be happening because that, I would have never, ever thought that was going to be the case. I, you know, I, I know he had some issues catching last year, but he's certainly not a guy that I was thinking that they would be moving off the position. But maybe they're just trying to get him some reps elsewhere just in case that the opportunity arises elsewhere. Someone gets hurt. Someone, you know, is going to be out for an extended period of time and they don't want to go to a guy like Drew Waters, which has been, who has been conspicuously absent, uh, (laughs) since he had that hamstring issue. Uh, it's another spring where things didn't go exactly right for Drew, uh, from a health perspective. Hopefully he comes back soon. So, that's pretty much all we got for the, the, the minor league side for, in terms of what's been going on in camp. Well, a lot of guys have just been getting optioned down. The major league team has been gearing up and getting all these other guys stretched out, and getting the multiple bets a game. So we haven't been able to see a ton of guys getting a lot of action. Uh, they've been just going straight to minor league camp and, you know pl- you know, playing scrimmages against each other, doing all their workouts down there. So when our next episode next week is when we're going to really start digging into what the rosters or at least what we think they're going to look like for each level, uh, previewing kind of what our thoughts of who the guys were really excited about going forward, uh, for the 2022 season. But this will also be the last episode that we're going to be doing one of our prospect list retrospectives. And when we get back from our break, uh, we're not going to be doing anything, you know, again, like once we're going to get into these, you know, 20, 2018, 2019 lists, it's kind of too hard to grade how well the job we did because a lot of that's still kind of a work in progress. But we did have uh, a really interesting list from mid 2017. So if you're wanting to follow along at home, make sure you look up that list. Uh, is uh, Spoilers is the first list where we had Ron Lacuna Jr. as the number one prospect in the Braves farm system. We had him there before basically anyone else. I can't think of anyone that had him there before us. I'm pretty sure that was the running joke uh, with the Fox guys and with you know Grant McCauley and all that is that we kind of... You know, took a leap on him before anyone else, and that that list in and of itself is a really interest. This is gonna, and when we get back, we'll talk about it. Is how we took a lot of risks on some guys and we jump ship maybe a bit early on some guys. But before we get into that, we're gonna take a
0: quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. All right, Garrett, it's the infamous 2017 list
1: where we. Definitely made some uh we definitely took some reaches on some guys. Uh we definitely maybe jumped ship or at least downgraded a bit too much. Uh for I think a very specific reason, and it's a, something that we certainly learned from. Uh the twenty seventeen mid season list that we made, uh again this was the this was after it was just you and I making lists. This is the whole crew, Garab and Matt getting together and getting these lists put together. Our top five for mid season twenty seventeen was Ronacuna Jr., followed by Ozzy Albies, Kevin Maiton, uh who I think that Matt may have had somewhere in the that maybe may have had at number two. Yeah, then uh Matt was a big Kevin Maiton guy. Uh Mike Soroka at four and the newly drafted Kyle Wright at five. Let's talk about those top five a little bit, because I remember this one being I think we all had talked about it and you know had just it was basically decided amongst us that we just couldn't justify keeping Ronald Acuna Jr. out of the top spot anymore. And this was coming out of a, a period of time where, if memory surfs, he had played in Florida, and this was right around the time he got promoted to double A and was mashing, and we kind of just made the decision that that's where he was going to be. What was your kind of your thought process dealing with this top five, uh, you know, in terms of placing Kyle right where we did? You know, where all the other guys are, what were some kind of some decisions that you kind of remember, the best
0: of your ability anyway, kind of going through your head? Well, I'll say, I don't, it was not clear that we were going to go Acuna over Albies. It was actually very similar to the midseason 2016 list where we were split right down the middle on Acuna and Albies. Um, myself and Grav had Albies at one, Matt and Eric had Cowards. Acuna at one. Yeah. And, uh, the only difference was, Kind of similar to the midseason 2016 list. Matt had Maiton at two, which. That's
1: what it was. I remember now,
0: yeah. Which bumped, which bumped Albies to two because Albies was at three on his list. And, um, obviously, you know, at that time you have to, Acuna has looked really good at Florida, but he had a very, he had a very high strikeout rate, which was kind of some of the reason I was a little hesitant to go ahead and bump up to one immediately. And, but keep in mind here, you know, me having always over you like that's like at that point in time for I think for all of us, we were splitting hairs at that point. Like I don't think that yeah, I, it, 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 it wasn't none it of wasn't us a were hot, like none of us yeah, were like a, a who page. is the best. No, like it was very very close for us. Now for everybody else, we looked a little crazy, but for us, we thought you know that's about where it was. But you know, if you talk to anybody internally within the system at that time, they agreed with us. Like it, within it, guys. It People it was within the system talking
1: to Zach Dillard about that, right? Yeah. Like uh, when when we were talking on the on Chopfest, uh, what was it? Was it Chopfest? Was that the name of their podcast back then? I can't remember. But he said like coming in hot, like a like a rebel X wing attacking the Death Star of B- MLB prospectum. You guys put Ron Lacunia at number one, and I just remember like that made me laugh so hard. We actually I had I had it in my Twitter bio for a long time, but I just kept thinking of like, is anyone watching this guy
0: play? You know? Right. <laughs> like, that's yeah, like, that kind of my and, and, and that's the thing. Like I said, pretty much anybody within the organization, you know, we don't really, like, have pretty much any conversations with anybody out of the organization. But we know pretty much anybody within the organization was, like, even when he was at Rome was, like, Acuna's the guy. Like, even coming out of rookie ball, they were, like, this is the guy. Like, watch this guy. This is the guy in the system. And uh, they uh it, it ended up being right. And this was – ended up being a good call. But, again, it, it was not – obviously, a for us it was very close um beyond that I had everybody was off Nukem a little bit um uh, I had him at three uh so y- you can oh, all Garrett. you can all uh i was uh, you,
1: you, i know you want to believe still i saw even. one I,
0: I saw i saw one start in person where he had a good change up, and I was like, oh, oh that's great, and then he never threw that change up again so uh oops uh. Yeah, I mean, the top five there, I, I think, you know, Kyle Wright at that time, you know, having him at five, you know, he was a guy that was seen as, like, the top talent in the entire draft. Like, there there was a lot of talk of that. Yeah, he
1: could have been we, number one in that draft, yeah. Was
0: this before, cause this was the, went, this was the summer that we went to Orlando, uh, the, uh, ill-fated Orlando trip. Um, yeah, yeah. Was this, yeah. this
1: well, basically be- everything went wrong in that trip, yeah. Was
0: this list before or After that trip, I
1: don't remember the exact days, if I'm just being honest about it. Um, I truly don't because
0: because we saw we saw Wrights. Well, it had to have been after because we saw Wright's first start in Orlando. Um, Barely. Uh, We were late. We were late that day and I sprinted across
1: like a quarter, like half. No, no, no. You're, you're, no. See, now we're conflating. We're, we're going to be telling uh, Florida trip stories. You're conflating because that was pretty Tarnox. We, 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 we got there in plenty of time for rights. It was, was Tarnox it? debut. Okay. It was Tarnox, because you ran it. I mean, for for those who haven't seen Garrett at a game, especially when he's doing <laughs> photography, he's carrying no less than eighty pounds of equipment, and seeing him. Running in like 98 degree, 100, (laughs) 100% humidity, running to to want to be able to take pictures of these guys. And I wasn't running anywhere. Like, if you haven't been to the backfields of Disney to watch like Marley games down there, uh, that's, you know, you know, very fortunately this is no longer a thing, but it's like wherever, where you park, it's a long walk. It's kind of a maze to get back to the right fields. It's kind of a miserable existence down there. And Garrett was like hauling because he did not want to miss of Freddie pitching and he's like, and I'm getting texts as I'm walking because you had ran all the way up there. And you're like, okay, uh, they just started. Uh, it's they have it's one out and Freddie's on the mound. And I'm like, okay, as long as you're getting pictures, it's fine. But yeah, uh, but the short answer is I'm pretty sure this was it was very, very
0: close. In yeah, time. it was it, it was right time, but you know, Wright's first start, um, in Orlando, we really liked what he saw. I mean, his fastball, everything was moving a lot. And I think. Yo, he never, he's never looked bad at the minor league level. Like, he just really hasn't. It's just, he can't take that to the major league level. But, he looked really good in his first start. We never did get to, we never saw Maiton, cause he literally got promoted like a couple of days before we went down there. And uh, we never saw Maiton in person. Yep. Um, yep, Matt, Matt was but this genuinely
1: was, mad. Yep.
0: Uh, this was right, you know, this was the last list that we had Mike on high. One, because he was gone by the next year. But I don't think that we would have had him this high because, I mean, after watching him play, it was clear that he was overranked. No, well, not watching him play, but after hearing reports and all that, it was clear that he was overranked. But for us, three – Matt's the only one that had him at three. Uh We just – no. none of us could, could – none of – or as high as three, none of us could – uh agree on who the third best prospect in the system was uh, at that time. And my ton ended up getting the most votes. But, you know, for me, I had Sorok at four, um, which, you know, obviously going back, he would have been at three. And that's a really good top three. Obviously, Cunha, Soroka. I mean, that's a really good top three. It's just, unfortunately, bright. you know, I, that point in time was we have draft reports. We've seen him in person. He's looked great. We're gonna put him up high, and we don't usually uh, we don't usually go in on guys right after the draft. Um, And since then, I can't think of anybody that we've gone in on after the draft. Even Langoliers, it took almost a year for us to really be convinced of him. And um, you know, the only guy that we've the only guy that we've been in within the first you know half. There's two guys that we've been in on high after like their first season, C.J. Alexander, which was a mistake, and Michael Harris. Uh, Michael Harris, which the only reason we did it was because I went to Rome that week and was like, wow, this guy's ridiculous. Um, you know, when we had seen him play, but you know, we really don't, we don't go in very high on draft guys pretty much since Kyle Wright because we've, uh, I, I don't know that it took us a few years to figure out that there were issues with Kyle Wright, but overall this top of the list, the top of the list is very, very close because again, no, there was that one, two we knew. We were all in agreement that the top two were Acuna, except, except, except for Matt. Yeah. Except for Matt, but from basically two to from like three to eight was all over the place, <laughs> like for us. And so I ended up. Yeah, that was a, a weird list. Uh, it, 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 and there was, you know, it was kind of again one of those things where we have those bands of guys where these were all kind of like guys that we considered like fringe top one hundred, but not quite. Some of us were. Already out on Allard, you know, cause he had seen some velocity decreases. Some of us were still in on Allard and it was kind of a weird, it was kind of a weird time where a lot of guys were in kind of a transitional period. Um, Soroka was a guy that went up very high on this list from the previous year because he had had a good season. Was this his, this was his Mississippi season where he was out. Yeah. So <laughs>
1: we, we probably do, we probably do need to talk about that, right? Because I mean, Soroka was great in Mississippi. But Allard Allard was really good in Mississippi, too. Mm -hmm. This was a year where both of those guys got put at double A. They skipped a a level altogether. And, again, this kind of started our, like, this was the peak of the Colby Allard era, right? Like, you know, and one of the reasons we we had Kyle Wright ranked so high was because he was picked so highly in the draft. This was, like, one of the last drafts that the Braves picked high in the draft and, Again, for a number one overall pick, we just just that, or at least a guy who could have been a number one all overall pick talent. We, you know, we kind of took a chance on him here. But at number six, we had Colby Allard. Number seven was Sean Newcomb. Again, opinions on him are all over the place. Uh, Luis Gohara, uh, who was again, this is kind of uh, oddly enough, three lefties in a row here. Uh, <laughs> uh, really live arm, uh, unfortunately is no longer in the organization. I'm not even sure he's in organized baseball anymore. Started dealing with a lot of problems off the field. Just not necessarily, you know, anything that, you know, like newsworthy per se, but just kind of had some, had some issues at home and combined with just couldn't, you know, get healthy, couldn't stay in shape. Uh, and then we had at number nine, we had Ian Anderson and then at number 10, uh, which continued our, uh, our our love affair with uh one Tuki Toussaint, which continued and actually jumped up a good bit in the next year or two, uh, surprisingly. But that's a lot of arms, a lot of live arms, and oddly enough, if you look at that six through ten, only one of them really worked. I mean Ian Anderson's obviously turned out to be a great pick. Even though he was an underslot pick where he was picked, uh turned out to be the best uh, best of the bunch from the that, that kind of those twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen pitcher drafts. That you know, they pick him out of a uh, pick him out of a high school in New York, and it just turns out that he was that that tr- changeup that he had coming out of high school, and just that overall maturity and kind of being able to n- not have any situation felt feel too big for him. Pitched well throughout the 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 the, the Florida Fire Frogs effect that we had, and it's going to be demonstrated on some of the hitters below because you'll notice that there's some uh, glaring names in terms of guys getting demoted one in particular who's manning third base for the Braves right now um the information and kind of how things went down in Florida really kind of I think messed us up in a lot of ways um like Tukey definitely looked better than I think he probably was for his time there in Florida uh Ian had his ups and downs uh in Florida uh and then after that we have uh an interesting group where we have Christian Pache, Joey Wentz, Alex Jackson, Bryce Wilson, and Travis DeMeritt. Oh, I can't believe we actually wrecked him higher. So kind of once – before we kind of get into the part where we get to laugh, or laugh at ourselves a whole lot, what was kind of like – once we get past that, again, we had that – let's say we – most of us have the Acuna Albies band of one and two. And then we had that three through eight. And then we have this next band. What do you remember your thought process being in terms of how to sort those guys out and do you think that maybe we were like you know overemphasized overemphasizing throwing with your left hand a little too much uh, what kind of what were because this feels like the areas where we made the biggest mistakes uh, is putting a lot of these guys ahead of some guys below them uh now some of this is you know revisionist history because we had reasons to make the decisions that we did but at the same time like kind of what why do you think that this group ended up
0: creeping up so high well a few picks there you know jackson wilson Demerit, those three just were very very good jackson when he first came over from um from the mariners that first half season before he got hurt with florida firefrogs he was playing catcher there were good reports, about his, there were good reports about his defense he wasn't striking out a ton he was hitting like 300 at that point And then he never hit that well again. He got hurt. He went on the IL for like a good two months and never hit again (laughs) at all. Um, I don't think that that was any cause of like the injury. I think he just was not a good hitter and he got lucky for a couple of months. But um, that was an interesting list. I was one of the reasons that Joey Wentz went very high up. I was from the beginning – on Joey Wentz. I love Joey Wentz. I love the arm talent. Um, you know, he never he, – he lost – he lost some velocity in pro ball, but he still always looked really good. And this this is right the after – The
1: stuff was legit, yeah.
0: Yeah, he, he – he, you know, this was his Rome season, I believe, where he was the best pitcher. I mean, he was pitching better than Anderson at that point in that league. And he uh, looked really – I, I would actually disagree. I think that – It was very I close.
1: That, I think that number 14 on our list there was actually better than, than Wentz that year. Oh
0: Wilson? Oh, absolutely. Wilson was better. Was better. I Wilson was the better of the group. I was never very high on Wilson. I had Wilson at 18. Um, I always have my doubts about Wilson. Even when you had a little bit of success at the Major League level, um, I was never all that high on Wilson. Um, I don't even really like have a particular reason. He was just one of those guys that never jumped out at me. It was kind of just a mix of averages stuff and good enough command and it just never felt like I don't I had nothing against Bryce Wilson as a person I just never saw him developing into kind of that mid-rotation starter I saw him as more of a back-end guy um, but Wentz I liked a ton Um he looked really great that first year the curveball was fantastic the changeup was fantastic he did everything right and then after that year he never got healthy again um, and he's still dealing with that. We'll kind of see how he does with the Tigers. I'm rooting for him. I hope he does well. You know, his, his story's not done at this point. You know, we kind of talk about some of these guys like, oh, these were mistakes. Well, Wentz, I mean, is still a legitimate prospect and a guy that can contribute, you know, at the major league level. He just has to, yeah, come he's back young enough to happen. Yeah. He's done very, very, well. he, he did very well. He's really never, he had some issues in Mississippi when he kind of was dealing with some arm issues. Um where he struggled, but other than that he's really never struggled as a professional uh it's just he's a- he's a guy, Allard is a guy, and um he and Allard are both guys there's someone else, and I can't keep and I can't think of them but that guys that had injury issues in high school Matt,
1: uh you know there's me and withrow had a lot of issues there too yeah, you know. but, no, you, I, yeah
0: um, You know, guys that had injuries and in, injury issues right before the draft and we thought, oh, well, they're fine. And then – which Allard, his injury issues were never related to his back after that as far as I know. But he did have some trouble staying on the field. He, he had trouble with his velocity and stuff like that and kind of – those guys that I don't trust. In general, you don't trust pitchers, but I have started to trust pitchers that have injury issues in high school – a lot less, and it's just, you know, if you're already having issues at that age, it's usually not a good sign, and for, you know, kind of knowing what I know now, and kind of, I think we all kind of overranked pitchers at this time, and then it's kind of, as we've seen these guys get to the upper levels and fail, it's kind of that reality check of, pitching is really hard, and it's really volatile, and we've kind of all had that reality check of, let's bring the pitchers down a little bit. Cause it, there's a lot of risk there. Even the guys, even a guy like Bryce Elver, who we think is a major league starter, there's risk there. And the, this is kind of that list, you know, with Johara, with, you know, Wentz, with Toussaint, where we kind of, this is kind of that lesson in understanding the risk of a pitcher. And these guys just kind of never really, you know, a lot of them they either never figured it out or they never got healthy or they had whatever issues. And that's kind of what I, you know, that's one of the things that I kind of look at at this list where at the time I was looking at them and going, well, this guy has better stuff and he's performing better. So I'm going to put him above it. And it's not always that simple. You know, it's, you know, kind of a little bit more complicated process going into those thoughts.
1: Yeah. And it was also a lesson in terms of understanding the difference between like a dry spell and, like genuine concern and understanding, you know, profiles and adjustments and what adjustments are being made and worked on because uh, for example, Travis Demerrit was, you know, the Braves acquired in a trade and he was just hitting, you know, tanks and, you know, hit with balls with a bunch of backspin. And we kind of ignored the strikeout rate as a result. Cause he was just hitting so many home runs that year, but we kind of, As we, we, I think what we, what ended up happening and, you know, spoilers here is that the next five were at 16. We had Austin Riley, who we had moved down on our list after we being, after being pretty high on him, you know, putting him in the top 10, you know, his draft, you know, early on. And then Max Freed, Drew Waters again. This was his draft year as a second round pick. So that's not something that, you know, putting him that high was perfectly reasonable. Didn't feel like need to put him any higher than that. Uh, Dustin Peterson is a guy that we were kind of famously not particularly high on. And Brett Cumberland, who was a really interesting catching prospect and still is still hanging around. I think he's still with the Orioles organization as a, you know, again, power hitting catching prospect, but putting Austin Riley and Max Freed probably requires a little bit of expl- explanation, putting them in the teams where we put them, especially considering how high that we had freed in a previous list. So, in Austin Riley's case, there's a couple things here. One is that there were genuine concerns about his hit tool. And, you know, in some respects, that those concerns still exist because his first half in Rome was not particularly awe inspiring. Uh, and then he went on a tear to end all tears for the second half, of, in the second half of Rome. Then, for the first half of the 2017 season with the Florida Firefrogs, Again, in the Florida State League, it's notoriously a pitcher-friendly league, and the Florida Firefrogs were a horrendously run organization just in general, Uh, just as a a team in terms of amenities, organization, all that stuff. It was kind of just nightmare fuel, right? I don't think that that was good for anybody down there. Uh, Some persevered better than others, but Austin did not look particularly good. And all of a sudden, the sample size was we had one – we had – his rookie ball stint, which was had a bunch of power, but certainly had some red flags with strikeout rates. And then we had one half from Rome where he was great, and then another half where he wasn't so great. And then we have this first half down in Florida, and we kind of we almost doubted ourselves a little bit, and we decided just to play it safe a little bit now. Why? How? Why we decided that you know putting all these pitchers ahead of him was the safer bet is something that we <laughs> is was a lesson that we learned uh quickly was not you know was was not gonna work out. Uh obviously he did turn things around, gets promoted, and you know, again the history with Austin now became every time he got to a level it took him a little while to adjust and then he would adjust and he'd start mashing again because that's just the kind of guy that he is. It just takes him a little while to get adjusted to the level of pitching and how guys are pitching to him at each level. He did so and obviously puts together a campaign that helps the Braves get to the World Series and win it this past year. Max Freed's a different scenario that we never doubted the stuff. The stuff was always there. The issue was that this was uh, during his time in Mississippi, and it felt like every two weeks he had some other injury thing going on, and it was getting spooky. Uh, This is a guy that did have Tommy John surgery uh, on his ledger already, and he was constantly dealing with blister issues. There was a back issue at one point, Uh, just tweaked things here and there, just couldn't stay on the field. And for us – it became concerning that whether or not that this was going to be a long-term problem because he just couldn't, he couldn't stay on the field. He would like, I think it was, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what, how this lines up with the list, but he had like had multiple uh, DL stints by then. And it was just kind of a, a weird situation for Freed because we still love what he did when he was on the arm. The, you know, the curveball is still great. You know, The we still love the arm speed and all that. We love the talent, but, that wasn't so much we didn't think that he was good. It was that we just didn't, we were worried that he wasn't healthy at all. Um, and certainly didn't look, he didn't look overpowering a double A either, which didn't help matters. So for this, that's kind of my thoughts on this segment. What about this, uh, you know, what about this little five, five group here? Any thoughts about those guys beyond the fact that, you know, people get back to asking us about Dustin Peterson and that all that seemed fairly, uh, unearned for a long time?
0: Yeah, Riley, I, we overreacted too. Um, for sure. I think it's one of those things again, you know, and it, it's one of those things you talk about. You have to realize that we didn't have MILBTV for these guys and we went down, you know, we went down going down to Orlando. One of the reasons was we hadn't seen these guys in like a year and we were like, we yep. need to see these guys play. And so for a lot of these guys, they got downgraded because we have nothing but the numbers to go off of. So when a guy's struggling, we just have to take that for what it is. We had to take that for what it is, and that kind of that was kind of a black hole for us for a long time. Um, and I'm very glad we don't have to deal with that anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a that was a rough time, and unfortunately, we dropped him too high, ba- too low, based purely off of numbers mostly, and that's you no know, a mistake again. Freed, I think where he was was justified. It might have been a little bit too low, but I mean, he was awful at Mississippi that first half. You anyway, I'm looking at it right here his first 16 games at Mississippi. And this is Mississippi, a very major pitcher's park. He had a 6.63 ERA. And yeah, it wasn't was great. constantly hit was constantly hurt. And so I think dropping him as low as we did, I mean, if a pitcher gets hurt that much and he looks that bad because you know, he's he was what 20 three twenty four at this time. 23 yeah, I, at this I, I, time. I say, the yeah, math, the math
1: on that I couldn't tell you. Yeah,
0: he, he was 23 at this time, which is not, I mean, not old for a double A pitcher, but it's not like you know, you know, if Soroka went up and struggled at double A. Well, he's 20, right? Like he's 20 at double A. It happens. You know, he was 23 at this time. He was the older guy on the roster. He was struggling. He was getting hurt, and it was kind of like you had concerns, and then he went up to the major leagues and was really good and it he's been really good since and uh, you know he just had to get healthy he was never healthy at any he was pretty much not healthy at any point during his entire stint in mississippi and that hurt him a lot and we just what we were seeing i felt like we had to drop him it, it just was what it was. If he's getting hurt that much, you know, if a pitcher is getting hurt that much who already has injury issues and he's struggling, you have to make, you know, decisions that you have to make. And, you know, end of June he had a 663 RA. He pitched three more games, didn't allow any runs in those three games, and then he went up to the major leagues and was really good as a reliever. And I mean, okay. (laughs) Like I mean, I guess that has just I guess that just happened. And some guys, you know, that's and that's a case of You know, something that we talk about occasionally where sometimes the scouting of a guy and sometimes the guy's skill level is ahead of the numbers. And, you know, in in Freed's case, one, it was just getting healthy and that was the main issue with him was just getting healthy. But a lot of times, you know, especially at, you know, double A level, stuff like that, guys are working on particular pitches and maybe they're throwing their change up more than they normally would. And it's getting hit a lot and they have a inflated ERA because of that. but really, there's nothing wrong there. And that kind of happens. And that's one of those things where it's just a matter of, if you watch the game, see what's happening. Sometimes you see, okay, he's struggling, but there's more there. I think Spencer Stryger had some of those issues this year too in Mississippi, where he kind of had like a four something RA. But if you watched him game in and game out, it was like, yeah, okay, he's better than that. He's very clearly better than that. It just kind of happened. And you know, I think Freed with the injuries and kind of that situation, it didn't work for him. And we probably, we might have overreacted a little bit, but given the information that we had at the time, I don't think that it was like some sort of like negligent sort of thing where he should have been top 10 and we were ridiculous to put him that low. It, it, there was a reason for it, at least, whereas with Riley, I think it was just a matter of we didn't have the access to the information we needed to know better. Uh Demerit, um, I was high on demerit, fairly high on demerit at the time. Not, you know, the demerit is better than Albie's group of people, but.
1: <laughs> that group of people was one big. That was, <laughs> that was Bernie Pleskov. That was, it. But, that was the only person who thought that.
0: But, um, but. You know, I, I was high on Demerit. You know, I like the power. I like the athleticism. And then it just kind of seemed like I got out off of Demerit very quickly. I got off of him almost as quickly as I got onto liking him. Uh And there were more than just on the field stuff with that. But it's a matter of, you know, he just he hit very well at double A. He hit a ton of hom- more home runs than you will almost ever see a guy hit in that stadium. And there was a reason for us to put him high. Um, But eventually after a while of watching him get absolutely fooled by, you know, average double A starters, sliders at that some point, you're kind of like, Oh, that guy's not going to hit anymore. And, you know, this was fairly soon after we had traded for him and we kind of were like, wow, he's doing well. He's, you know, all this is happening. This is yeah, great. It's the, shi- and, it's, the, it's the shiny new toy thing. And yeah. then, you watch him a little bit more, you're like, uh, maybe not. And that that kind of happened with him. Um Alice Jackson again was a guy that after we watched him play, we were kind of like, man, okay, never mind. I was, I liked Drew Water. We all liked the Drew Waters pick a lot. Um Yep. We love the Drew yep. Waters pick. Yep. We're never part, we're, part, we're part never going to of put a bunch it, of tools we're never going to put a second round guy in like the top 10, especially as good as the system was at this time. But I think that that's a good ranking. Um I was, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think other than that, I mean, otherwise, I mean, Peterson was where he needed to be. Everyone pretty much on this list was kind of where they needed to be at this time. But, you know, I think the Riley win was an overreaction. The Freed one was just, that was a very scary time in Max Freed's career.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, we are running a little bit out of time, but I do want to run down the picks. I'll offer some kind of thoughts on some names as I'm running through, and then I'll give Garrett the chance to kind of close things out for us here. Uh, but then, uh, after Cumberland at 20, at 21, we had Ricardo Sanchez. At 22, we had Patrick Weigel. This was after he got hurt. Uh, this is an arm that we really, really liked. He was a minor league pitcher of the year. Uh, had all the, has all the ability in the world, but unfortunately never has been able to really come back from injury. Um, After he, you know, after his elbow went, uh, then Lucas Sims, uh, all the, we had the, all the highs and lows from the Lucas Sims era. We had him, uh, all the way up in the top five. And now we have him, uh, you know, basically down towards the, the, the bottom of the barrel here as he had uh, been struggling to stick as a starter and seemed more and more likely he was going to end up as a reliever. Uh, one of the prospects that was taken away uh, when uh, the John Coppolella John scandal, uh, in addition to Kevin Maiton, was Jeffrey Del Rosario. That was an arm that we liked a lot. Small-framed guy, but a guy that we really liked the curveball and the fastball certainly had promise. a guy that we watched uh, We watched. Multiple times, I think we actually got to see him both row multiple times down there in Florida, if memory serves. Uh, still, you know. Again, not a guy that I'm not sure if he's ever going to turn anything, but we certainly liked the arm back then. Uh, AJ Minter makes a, makes an appearance on the list at 25 here. This is kind of when we're, uh, still not sure how we want to, uh, treat relievers on our prospect list. And frankly, I'm not sure if we've ever really resolved that. Um, another prospect, an international prospect that was, that was taken away from the Braves and Abraham Gutierrez, uh, catching prospect that, uh, was certainly a really promising bat. Uh, Lucas Herbert, uh, oddly enough, uh, Colby Allard's battery mate from high school, uh, that was picked by the Braves. Uh, Really, really gifted defensive catcher, just never figured out how to hit. He ha- he hit a little bit in rookie ball, and then he had a meniscus issue, and frankly, they should have never they should have given him more time in rookie ball before putting him in the full season ball. Unfortunately, they didn't do that. And while all the pop times and everything that you'd want from a catcher, he had all of them. Um, unfortunately, this is pretty much as good as it got with him because he has never hit enough to you know justify being ranked any higher than that and you unfortunately end up uh being gone randy ventura the legend uh makes an appearance on the list down here at number uh 28 uh he (laughs) stole a ton of bases in the dcl was kind of a running meme over in the comment sections of our site for a long time uh ended up being at rome and uh certainly had some exciting games here and there stealing bases using his speed to Make things happen, but they traded him away relatively quickly. As it turns out, no one seemed particularly fond of him as a human being. Uh, Freddie Tarnock, uh, we, who we liked as kind of one of those, set, those day two picks, those early ones. He was a bit of a pop-up type guy in the draft and we liked him back then. That has turned out pretty well as, you know, the he's turning into, uh, easily a top ten prospect in the brave system now. Uh, and Junior Seferino is a bat that I will die on the hill that I love that guy. As a, as, as a third base prospect, I thought he was going to hit. I thought he could, he could end up being really something special hitting for power, uh, and playing the position pretty well. Another prospect that was taken away, and unfortunately he's never really caught on anywhere else. The Braves are pretty fortunate that a lot of the guys that got taken away from him in, from the IFAs, none of them really seemed to turn out well. I don't know if, you know, them getting their lives turned upside down, you know, one thing caused the other, uh, in terms of their ability to you know, develop was interrupted or anything like that, but overall, you know, the, the losses haven't been particularly high in that regard. Uh, Garrett, from that last bottom of the batch, do you have any names you want to kind of highlight really quick?
0: Yeah, um I was very high on Del Rosario. Um, I actually still kind of like Del Rosario. He's dealt with some injury issues, which again, that's it's kind of the small frame. He's probably going to end up being a reliever. Um but I like Del Rosario. I noticed that Kyle Muller is not in our top 30. Uh, he was, been drafted the year before and this was what we were talking about um we had talked about it on the last episode he had had um velocity issues very big velocity issues yeah he was yeah he uh, had like I had set, him set in back
1: my, down to like in like the high 80s yeah I
0: had ha- I had him in my top 30 this was see I jumped on him very quickly because this it was around the time you had sent me um a couple of videos of his um you know the way he had retooled his mechanics and I was like Oh, I really like that. Like, I had really liked the way they had retooled his mechanics, and so I had went ahead and put him, jumped him in the top thirty. It was like, yeah, let's go for it. Um, Most of us did not. Um, He was kind of a fringe guy, though. I mean, he was not a guy that we were out on completely. We weren't like, this guy's done, his career's over. We, you know, he was kind of in that like guy that would rank like thirty-five for most of us. You know, he just didn't get enough points to kind of get in the top thirty. Yeah, yeah kind when, of when, you,
1: when you're when you get reports that he's like throwing eighty-eight, eighty-nine, that was spooky.
0: Yeah. Severino, honestly looking back on it, I think we ranked him too low. Um, based on what we knew of him at the time. Uh, I think he was might have been a little bit too low. You know, what we had seen of him. You know, of the guys that we saw in the GCL, including Wright, including Wright, including um Tarnock that we had saw in the GCL, I think he was the most impressive of all of them. Um and that, that, that throw from ULE to, ULE Lopez, uh, that, that, yeah, that the single, be
1: single best play I've, I've watched live in minor leagues. The, 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 uh, <laughs> a guy who, by the way, has never done anything else. Anything else in his <laughs> minor league career. Let's be clear about this. He was in the right field corner building yeah. the ball and he threw a missile. To third base that landed in the guy's glove on the fly and there was profanity being uttered in multiple languages when that, when that throw came in. The the guy was safe, but I was,
0: I was blown up. I remember, I was on on the third base line uh, taking pictures at the time and I remember looking up at you guys in the stands like, did that throw just happen? And you were looking at me like, what? Who is this guy? We all had the first same thought, which was, who is that? Uh, they tried him as a pitcher. Never worked out because uh, he could not throw strikes. Isn't always very surprising, but he struck out a lot of guys. He threw – he had a cannon. Uh But, yeah, Severino, I honestly think we ranked a little bit too low, and I'm – he is one that I'm kind of surprised is uh never – picked up. Abraham Gutierrez is still hanging around in the Philly system. He's still a legitimate prospect. Uh he had a pretty good season last year. He's a guy that could uh turn into something. Probably won't, but he could. Um then some guys that kinda had just missed the list. Um this was like right at the beginning of the um Israel Wilson experience. Uh we won't go into that too much. Yeah, uh the- yeah and run hell. Um Jean Carlos was this when he was doing, he was doing very well in Danville at this time. I want to say, I can't remember. He was either Danville. Or so,
1: so, yeah, I'm about to say, we're, we're kind of getting into an area now where we we had very limited information because this was a mid-season update,
0: right? Like, right. I think right that
1: it, like like Junior would have been probably in the team somewhere. We all liked yeah. him a lot. Yeah, we like. Uh, and we and we just hadn't seen enough of JCE yeah. yet. Uh, yeah. I was
0: very high on Levon Soto. I loved his defense. Um, He couldn't hit at all.
1: Yeah, I was, about, I was about swinging a swing a toothpick is what that guy was. He couldn't hit at all. Yeah. He's
0: a good defender, though. But uh, I, I was too high on him. But, yeah, I mean, I think it, that's a lot of talent for the back of the list. A guy like Severina, a guy like Tarnock, now that I mean, that's a guy that we're talking about being, like, one of the guys and in the system now and, like, This is a dude that was just like 29th on our list. Arian Gutierrez was one of the top, you know, prospects in, you know, the entire national class. And he's here in Cure at 26. It's kind of wild how much talent is on this list. And a lot of that is just us not knowing these guys. We couldn't put them higher because we just didn't know them, especially a guy like Tarnock. But there's a lot of, you know, Tarnock, I think in a lot of ways, you know, we've kind of been – Helped and hurt by him, you know, there's kind of times where we're like, oh, he's the guy. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there he goes again, getting hurt or whatever. But Tonic was kind of the one that paved the way for guys like AJ Smith, AJ Smith Shaver, um, where we're kind of willing to go in on these arm talents that they graft and look at them and say, Hey, I mean, that's, you know, him turning out fairly well so far is kind of a one reason that we kind of look at a guy like Smith Shaver and say, Hey, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and put him, you know, in our twenties because the talent is there and we see in Tarnock what high athleticism, high talent can do for a guy. And, you know, that's kind of an interesting one where we kind of, we had Tarnock in that back end of the top 30 for quite a while. And then he just exploded. And I like, you know, I like that pick down there. It's kind of, it's kind of an interesting look at kind of, the way we evaluated a guy right out of the draft now versus how we would kind of rank. I think he would rank higher if we did it today. I think he would probably, not much higher, but he'd probably be in more of the early twenties than like barely sneaking on the list.
1: Yeah. It was a tough call just because uh, he was a pop-up guy too. It wasn't um like he was a guy that like even late in the draft process for everybody. Uh, I don't, I didn't have any problems where we ranked him per se. I don't think I even have problems where we ranked him looking back at it. Obviously, with the benefit, because even back then, he was a very, very raw guy, right? Um, when you're looking at like a guy like AJ Smith Shaver, I mean, like, we, like, you know, if Tarnock wasn't throwing as hard as AJ Smith was. Uh, you know, AJ was is, is throwing and he's, you know, like, I, he, like, AJ is a better pitcher now than Freddie was back then. Now, that's not the case. I mean, obviously, you know, Tarnock's had a lot of time to develop and all that stuff, but, uh, this is, uh, but you, you are right in the sense that, you know, Guys who are picked on day two, uh, even if they're arms, we're willing, if they, if we get good reports on them and we like the stuff, we're, we are very fluid in how we make lists, like, if, we'll, we'll put a guy in the twenties and then if they really struggle and they just, doesn't look like that they're going to be doing anything then we're just have no problems moving them off the list you know at the end of the day these lists are about creating conversation getting exposure uh and just kind of getting a better understanding of how we look at guys and what we look for in terms of talent but that's always a very fluid and constantly developing process it's not something that we get wedded to uh there's guys that we we move guys around our lists all the time and that's just how it goes uh and i think that that kind of speaks to this 2017 list is that you know the middle part of this list got a little wonky because I think we just got a little arm happy. Um, but at the same time, these were all really highly regarded pitching prospects at the time. Um, but over time, we've kind of, you know, started to move a little bit away from that. But also, you know, if we feel like a guy makes a turnaround and, you know, pulls things together, gets healthy, uh, gets more consistent at the plate, gets more consistent on the mound, you know, adds that third pitch, we have no problems moving him up, too, so – well, Garrett, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Uh, you know, again, we, I always think these are going to be shorter than they are, and here we are at close to an hour of recording uh, talking about a list that we made five years ago. But here we are. Uh, thank you for <laughs> thank you for joining us. Uh, if you want to make sure you never miss an episode, make sure you search battery power on whatever your po- preferred podcast purveyor is, uh, whether that be Spotify, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, whatever you choose to use. You search Battery Power. Not only will you get this podcast, you'll get the Battery Power flagship program hosted by the great Brad Rowland, and the Daily Hammer hosted by the great Sean Coleman, where we talk all the ma- all the major league stuff that you ever want, both in the kind of a daily format, which is the Hammer, and then the weekly longer former form format, which is hosted by Brad. Thanks again so much for all the support on the podcast. Starting next week, we're going to be previewing the 22nd minor league season a bit more. Uh, more kind of in-depth is what it looks like on the, each of the levels. Uh, depending on the level of information that is available next week, we'll be kind of determine what the format is going to be. But we are beginning that deep dive because after that, we have minor league games starting, and that's where we kind of get to have some fun. But thanks again so much for all the pot, the support and love on the podcast recently. And until next time, we'll see you on the road.